Welcome to the Data Bites podcast by Women in Data, where we give you your weekly bite-sized dose of career development advice, industry case studies, and career stories to help you excel in your data career. In this episode, I'm chatting with Sudeshna Choudhury. She's the head of strategy, business analytics, and analytics and insights at Tata Consulting Services. She is also the chair of Women in Engineering in Kolkata, and she started the first Women in Data chapter in India and is currently the Asia-Pacific Regional Lead for Women in Data. Sudeshna is a woman of action, and this conversation, you're going to get a ton of actionable insights. Everything about analytics strategy, how to plan your execution, and how to make sure that you're revising your strategy properly to continue to be successful given changes in our current environment. We also touch on women in data careers in India, and she provides some great advice in terms of things we can do to better support women working in this space and what we can do as individuals ourselves to one, help ourselves first, but also help those around us. Hope you enjoy the episode. Sudeshna, it is such a pleasure to be chatting with you and having you on the Data Bytes podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me and it's a pleasure for me too. Yeah, for those listening, we were just chatting that a few months ago, Sudeshna had the opportunity to interview me and she did a fantastic job. So I'm feeling a little bit of the pressure now of the roles reversed, but I am really excited about this because Sudeshna is a wealth of knowledge and has played such a pivotal role in women in data. I'm happy to elevate this conversation to more audiences. So thanks again. Thank you. All right. So one of the things that most surprised me um, about you was how long you have been working in the analytics space. So I get to talk to a lot of people and a lot of them have been career changers, transitioners, but you actually started your career in analytics about 20 years ago. And I was like, how did you have the foresight to do this? And what made you decide to choose analytics back in the early 2000s? Okay, so to answer that, to be uh, frank, I never had a foresight. It was all, uh, it happened very naturally. So as a student, I always had a huge inclination towards numbers. Mathematics was my favorite subject. And uh, when I joined uh, my job, that was almost 22 years back in year 2000. And uh, incidentally, uh, my first year in Mumbai, that was more into web development. That was the first year. But I had a natural inclination for liking data. So even if there was a web development work or there was always a, and incidentally, I was also, uh, that's such a coincidence. I was working in a portal called womennova.com. So that was my first assignment. And I was so engrossed with the search module and all the data behind that and query, writing query and SQLs and loops has been my passion. So even there, I used to enjoy that more than the visual part of the work. I enjoyed that, but that also never really gave me any exposure to really think of a career in data analytics. And I, frankly speaking, unlike today's generation, I did not even have the know-how. So incidentally, the next year, I took a transfer to Kolkata and uh, I was married there. I shifted my home and I shifted here. 
and i got a opportunity to work for at at that time it was erstwhile called the data warehousing group so i uh, got a chance there and i was trained as a etl developer informatica was my first skill and then when i started working i really could Uh, i i realized that was really my love like it was almost you know like if somebody throws you in a sea of chocolates and you can do whatever you want suddenly i see that there are tons of data around me i can do whatever i want and there is so much to extract even in that extract transformation process so much to learn so much to design and slowly slowly i uh, and incidentally after that couple of my projects were all on informatica all on etl and slowly i uh developed from a developer to design and then i went to bi data modeling and then of course it it encompasses a more end to end data analytics experience so it has evolved like that and i have always been passionate and liked it so i never thought of uh, changing eventually it became business intelligence then of course so nomenclature has changed but the concept the main theme behind it that remains the same so that's the history and it, it sounds like you got a little bit of luck of having exposure to data early on but also sounds like you were really self-aware in terms of what you liked and continued to follow your passion right and now today you are the head of strategy and business analytics and analytics and insights at Tata Consulting so you've had a fabulous career in this space and i'm really curious to know how have you seen the analytics space change in the last 20 years yeah lot has changed but uh, what i feel is the basics is still the same so i used to call it is ultimately it's you have two boxes the data and the analytics on it and then of course the insights the main theme remains the same even 20 years back why did we at all do it to solve business problems for achieving business outcomes everything was around that it was called reporting when it went to more maturity in terms of technology it was called olap it was called analytical reporting slowly it went to analytics and fortunately though in academic years we have learned a lot of statistics in the early career in data analytics statistics was not that much used and the evolution has been great but you know from a theme from the core uh, intent perspective nothing has changed it has just uh, improved itself that is how i look at it even the core subjects are very basic the programming language has changed but the logic has not changed so if i even had started from microprocessor so but that everything is around that one box of data and then you pull it clean it do whatever you want do your analytics on top of it use the insights for your business benefits so and in terms of nomenclature also lot of it has evolved if you think see the roles that data engineer is a very recent name but you do did have similar skills in the past we used to call data warehousing then business intelligence was a terminology where analytical reporting and olap cubes and any analytical services became very important then of course came that period of big data 
then we started talking more of analytics and in today's world i would say even the buzzword uh, five years back was data and analytics today when we say analytics we refer to everything together which is very rightfully true so again yes technology has changed usage has improved but the core ethics remains the same and today you're really focused on analytics strategy and are an expert in this space. So for our listeners, would you be able to give us kind of a framework just as you did for what's important for analytics of the data and the insights and the analysis, but what are the components of a successful analytic strategy? Like what does somebody need to make sure they have within that analytic strategy? The most important factor I feel is really have a proper synchronization. I mean, a proper collaboration between data and analytics. Most of the organization, even the problem was there 10 years back, 15 years back. Today, I can see it's more visible, but still the problem is there that they don't marry each other. So business might have a analytics initiative going in. We might have a huge modernization initiative going in. Sometimes it's top down, sometimes it's bottom up, but it has to be both. It's very easy to do a one-way analytic strategy. Okay, make it top down. It'll never really materialize to the modernization journey. Or make it bottom up. That will be anyway a ever-ending foundation pro project. So uh, the whole theme is how do we do it together? We have to do smaller bits of top downs. We have to build up a data strategy right from bottom up. Somewhere it has to marry. And depending on the size of the organization, for some, even a particular business unit analytic strategy might be mature enough. You don't need enterprise-wide. For smaller organization or for addressing a typical kind of business problem, maybe you need more enterprise-wide focus. So it all depends on the organization. But what is missing is this it it has to happen here and i would say it is still a problem for most of the organization whoever has succeeded has really done this and do you see this problem to be bigger at larger organizations where there's more people and teams and components that have to stay aligned and as you say synchronized or is this still a problem even for medium and small size organizations uh, I think it depends on the maturity. It really does not depend on the size. And as I said, for a large organization, you even might not focus right away on enterprise strategies. So even up for a particular business unit, if you have that maturity, that vision, and of course, you have some set uh, focus on what are the business outcomes what are your business problem that you have to solve immediately whether it is i mean even if we call very uh, large uh, i mean big topics like customer experience that customer experience might be coming uh, from your insights from your billing data or that customer experience can also be coming from how you reduce wildfire impacts for utilities. So the whole concept of what is that I want might vary from organization to organization. And it all depends on the maturity that organization has. Even for uh, smaller organizations, I have seen they have a very well-knit analytic strategy. 
and that applies to larger organizations too and i would say though we cannot um, call out very prominently but it also depends on the industry industries like retail banking they are much more matured in the journey but other industries like energy resources mining utilities transmission distribution they have lagged uh, a bit behind maybe that's not the story today but it depends a bit on the type of the industry also so getting to the point from strategy to execution how do organizations take the synchronization that they've developed in the plan and really move from having a great strategy to actually getting those results which is what we all have our strategies for yes and you know what uh, of course the strategy has to move to execution and one and only one thing which drives is is the governance that's my belief unless you have a very stringent very sound governance process it will never get executed and again the collaboration factor is very important and uh, every organization otherwise what happens it 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 just remains in the books and again it gets revisited and another very important aspect of the whole analytics strategy to be successful from my experience is the decommissioning strategy the decommissioning strategy is the biggest at least i find that is the most difficult that change management part that okay if i am having two companies i have one customer data warehouse now another merger happens i am creating a new one when do i decommission a how do i move it and most of the organization fail in this decommissioning strategy and we end up having layers and layers of redundant data warehouses and redundant system of data so that is really crucial and another reason for that gap is usually there are in the structure there are different organization who handle the transactional system and the different organization who handle the uh, system of data and the analytics applications so both have to sync together and again there can be growth and transformation programs going on on the transactional side so that whole decommissioning strategy unless that really happens properly both from the change management as from the cost optimization perspective it really never gives the result which we were expecting so i want to tap back into one of the first things you mentioned which is governance and i just want to make sure we're all clear on what you mean by governance cuz we use governance a lot within the world of data as in data governance but is that the type of governance you're talking about or are you like a governing board for your analytics transformation can you explain a little bit more about the governance aspect what i mean by governance is uh plain and simple uh from the strategy till the project management that whole overarching governance on top of everything so if i have say for example if i have a strategy where even from a technology consolidation perspective if i am rolling out say uh, again etl being my favorite subject maybe a enterprise wide etl tool so imagine the effort that goes in behind running that and again of course there will be silo projects but who really uh, drives the performance of the same who really has the checkpoint that whether whatever we are executing are really giving the results in the kpis which were 
support we were supposed to deliver so that whole governance of the whole initiative has to be robust we have to have the proper people in there otherwise that handshaking never really happens and end of the day it's even to measure what is the return on investment becomes a challenge or might be uh, i mean it might not be accepted by every uh, part of the organization so that is what i mean by proper governance i love it thank you for clarifying that and i want to go back into the strategy a little bit more um i think there's a famous saying that says like we make plans and god laughs right and sometimes when we make strategies it can feel that way too they can get out of date really quickly so when you're working with organizations to designing their analytics strategy do you try and plan these out for 2 years in advance 5 years 10 years is there a framework you typically like to use um that's been tried and true in terms of how far out you should be planning your strategy uh i think covid has taught us to even make it not more than uh, one year <laughs> but even like again it depends on the level of granularity so a company's vision and mission and the uh, business goals or priorities they have obviously they won't change in a two years framework definitely but if uh, so there has to be a long term strategy but there has to be something short term too as to when there are certain changes which are most of the time not only covid like the way the world has been changing if i again always my favorite subject is wildfire so if i take that subject in fact even if wildfire has been a subject which is pretty aging back did we really think that it was such a big area of interest for analytics strategy did we really think that if i uh, say for example if uh, 10 years back somebody is doing a uh, some bit of uh, predictive uh, asset maintenance kind of analytics on how fast are my transmission lines going to wear off so those must have been done on your inventory data right you didn't have the images at that time today what do we do we have the drones to give the images so how we will do it and what exactly will be our analytic strategy if we really think of the execution will change and that will change every year maybe but what do i want to achieve today i can say that okay in a particular utility company that particular division who are looking for safety sustainability wildfire uh, eradication whatever it is called most of the investment for analytics goes there we might be saying there but if you look at the uh, not only from a regulation perspective if you look at the um, wider uh, goal what is the wider goal that you have to give superior experience to your customer right but the way you implement it actually changes with years so maybe something is 10 yearly something is 5 years obviously if you are investing on doing a uh, data strategy doing a data consolidation you can't change it every year but if you are really coming down to execution on how your analytics will be on the ground how will you plan it around 
and uh, that part even might change year to year depending on the kind of evolution we are having things might get outdated so there has to be some parameterization some flexibility where you can revise it at least two yearly I'm so happy you brought up the factor of the pandemic because we oftentimes talk about how fast technology changes, which is still happening, right? But now we have this added fatter factor of the pandemic. And I think that framework is really great for people to think about is stay true to those outcomes, but feel free to modify that execution. And it gives a great foundation to be able to modify, but still make sure you're achieving those end results. Absolutely. So See. Um, uh, say for example if before the pandemic if you think uh, from a financial perspective if you think of a uh, vulnerable customer people usually go by either age or economic condition and the whole dimension whole the input that goes to a model is different but when the pandemic started new dimension started coming in that employees of airlines employees on the hospitality industry they are categorized as vulnerable so nobody imagined that right so my analytic strategy in today's world has to be flexible enough that i parameterize that easier said than done but that is where it is it it'll always change yes it's a good thing to keep in mind it's always going to change and that's okay <laughs> so shifting gears a little bit you are not only a fantastic female leader, but you do a ton of work to support other women in this space and help by leading a lot of organizations. Um, you are the chair for the Women in Engineering um, in Kolkata. You also started the first Women in Data chapter in India and now lead the Asia Pacific region for Women in Data. So I'd like to dive into some of the areas of challenges you see with the barriers working for women in data careers and what some of those stats look like today um, for women in India? Yeah, so if you really go on the current trends, so I would say um, if you look at the statistics, maybe around 50% uh, of all university grads will be women. But when it comes to STEM careers, it should be around 30-35%. Again, from that, if you really look at how many are really into data science carriers or data analytics carriers, that again comes down to around 20-25%. And ultimately, when you see the workforce, it comes down to even, I mean, 15 to 20% or something uh, around that number. And not only in India, that is, uh, I mean, to different uh, varied degrees, but that's kind of the trend in and around in other Asian countries too. And, uh, well, there is no particular reason. I mean, whatever reason we associated to a poor percentage in a, a STEM career for women, that applies to data science and data too. And it's not only about women. The stereotype is uh, men will not go for arts, women will not go for science. So it's a problem for both. I mean, the stereotype thought process has really stopped women or men for going for uh, their choice of subject, which is not quote unquote a very uh, men subject or a women subject. But I would say for uh, even for STEM careers and data careers, 
it has really drastically improved in the last 20-30 years. Personally, I never had any problems because I grew up in an industrial township and all our parents were always thinking that everybody either has to be an engineer or a doctor. So that was the only two careers they could ever think of for any, I mean, be it daughter, be it son, that was the two dream careers we were always taught to go for. But uh, if I really look uh, around me, Yes, uh, there are apprehensions, there are dropouts, that really hits the percentage very badly. But today, if I see, I won't say the incoming crowd percentage is a problem. What is a problem is the middle layer dropout. So when a woman is around, say, 8 to 10 years experience or maybe 5, 6 years experience, they get married, they have kids, they start dropping out. So that is one problem. And second is you will see a fair percentage, maybe even 30, 35%, 40%. It might be growing up, but you don't see them in the front line. So women in leadership in data career is very weak. Maybe we don't have much old timers. We have newbies, which is a big percentage. That can be one of the reasons. But even for old timers, I would say we don't really, uh, we don't really uh, come in the front. And it is nobody else's problem. It is our problem. So that is how I look at it. Uh, women has to be convinced. Only if she is convinced, there cannot be any other barrier, any discrimination. Nothing will really impact. So you're saying that we need to convince more women first. What do you think, though, that we can do to help support that? Is it on us as women ourselves in this industry? Is it something organizations can do to especially support this really like vulnerable population you've identified, which is that middle tier, right, with the five to 10 years experience? And it also lines up usually at the time when you're getting married, having kids. It's it's what I call the five years of doom, right? Like if you can make it through there, we'll probably be good. But what are the things that we as individuals or organizations can also do to support these people or give them the confidence and convince them that they are needed in this role and it will be worth it if they stay? Absolutely. And uh, that is what I have learned through my uh, all these last 20 years of journey. And especially uh, in and around like my uh, involvement in diversity and inclusion uh, uh, initiative started in around, I think, uh, 2014-15. And it started with uh, when I was nominated for a women leadership program, which our corporate uh, uh, leadership runs. And uh, at that time, I had a question that why is a program required for women leadership? Uh, isn't that a discrimination? So I still remember our uh, uh, so our leadership head of uh, TCS. She had told uh, me at that time that uh, our uh, percentage of women in the organization is uh, around thirty or thirty-five percent at that time. But leadership is uh, not only. I mean, it was not even double-digit. She said that bring it to somewhere around fifteen twenty percent then we will we can stop the program so at that time i then i realized that some of the things we really um we assume it that okay it's fine 
uh, when I was in my school, there were 50% girls. When I was in science, there were 20% girls. When I joined data warehousing group, I was the only girl in the team. But I never noticed that, right? So sometimes we accept situations which are not acceptable. That is one. And the second thing she had told is, I, I, I mean, my viewpoint was that I have never faced discrimination. So why do I need to really think separately? Then she had said that you did not face discrimination does not mean that discrimination does not exist in the world. If you really think, then help others. So, and then I really started interacting. But frankly speaking, one is, of course, getting associated to such initiatives. But two other aspects has really helped me and where I am is one of the reason behind that is my own mentorship like and uh, you have met Dina you have heard him he was the person who really encouraged me in doing professional uh, networking really going beyond my normal routine and volunteering for activities and not only diversity activities I have been uh, uh, associated with IEEE, I've been associated with women engineering. So, and I would say, at least for me, I was really very poor in professional networking. So, under his guidance, and when I really started that journey, and that was very recent as 2018-19, and when I started that journey, and even incidentally, I think uh, even Women in Data Link, he had only shared with all of us, and that is how it started. And you know what? Uh, when I have got a mentorship, which has really changed the way, I mean, it has completely changed my perspective of looking at my profession and beyond that. I should be really doing the same for another 100,000, whatever number of people I can. So yes, what you said, that's very true. Um, and I have been doing that and it's, it's, I think nothing can be more fulfilling, nothing can be more, um, satisfying when you have a session. And I did that, uh, two weeks back and I think a dozen girls came back after that telling me that it was so inspiring and I have been so depressed. I feel that I should speak out. You are correct. It is me who should think differently. So that really makes me happy. And I feel that, okay maybe I have been able to give back something which I got. So that's... Yes, well, I can definitely true. attest to that because um, I get to see the output of what you do every day. So you're not somebody who just talks the talk, but you walk the walk and are a woman of action, which I love. And I mean, even now staying up past 11 p.m. just to have yeah. this conversation and share your story and insight and help more women get into this space is really inspiring. So I just want to say a big thank you for all you do. Thank you. Well, that wraps us up for the main questions. If you're ready, we'll go into the rapid fire questions. Mm, okay. All right. So I'm really excited for this one. What is the song you currently have on repeat? Currently? Yeah, I think there are a lot of numbers from... Uh, uh, late Lata Mangeshkar, she just passed away two weeks back. So I've been hearing a couple of her numbers repeatedly now. Mm. Yeah, I love listening to artists that had a big milestone or had a beautiful life. It's a great way to remember them and carry their music on. 
Favorite place you've traveled? Um, I would say in India, it is Havelock Island. And outside India, it's San Francisco always. <laughs> to you, happiness is? Clean data. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best. I think this is one of my favorite answers. <laughs> Look at us smiling just talking about it. <laughs> Ask anybody. <laughs> Oh, yeah. There's nothing more beautiful than a clean data set, especially when you didn't have to clean yourself, right? <laughs> of course, you get it. Getting cleaned it. <laughs> in the next five years, you hope to? See 50% women in leadership. Yes, I agree. Me as well. And then last but not least, to me, curiosity is? Knowledge and learning. I love it. Well, thank you, Sudeshna. This was such a pleasure. If people want to connect more with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Absolutely. You can share the LinkedIn uh, and my email ID. That's fine. They can Wonderful. Uh, connect me through the Women in Data link too. We will do that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Remember to keep learning and stay curious, and we will chat with you again here soon. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Data Bytes podcast. If you're looking for more resources to further your data career or find your tribe, we encourage you to become a member at womenindata.org. See you on the other side.